Unless otherwise indicated, Ratchet Book Club is intended for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is greatly advised. Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537, Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com, Ratchet Book Club on Twitter, Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Chapter 6. Quillil pulled up to his hair shop, flawless extensions, and parked in his reserved spot. He opened the shop a few years ago. Growing up in the hood, all the beauty supply stores were owned by Koreans, so Quillil took it upon himself to open up a black hair shop right off Lenox Avenue. Gentrification was going on heavy in Harlem, but Quillil was hell-bent on building black businesses and providing jobs for people in the community. Some would say he was a hypocrite because of the poison he sold to his own people, but he didn't see it that way. In his mind, the good he did outweighed the bad. They gave away turkeys every year for Thanksgiving and had toy drives for the kids on Christmas. Besides, if he stopped selling drugs, junkies would just get their fix from somebody else. Drugs were here before him and they would be here long after him. He was just a product of his environment. He walked in and saw Ashley helping the customer. Quillil went to his office and looked over the books. Not bad at all, he said to himself. His hair business was pulling in well over six figures a year. He was happy with the progress of the shop and planned on opening up more in the future. He walked back to the front to talk to Ashley. Thanks for shopping at Flawless Extensions. We hope to see you again. Bye-bye, she said to the customer before she left. You forgot to thank her for recycling the black dollar, Quillil said. Here you go with that black power shit. I'm going to start calling you Farrakhan. What you know about the minister, youngin? Not enough to stop eating pork? Quillil laughed, shaking his head. You're too much, he told her. Ashley was a spitting image of her father. Five six, slim waist, long curly hair down to her back and the prettiest chocolate skin. Ashley was a beautiful girl. Dude, you can't spell her name wrong every other time you say it. Her body was just starting to fill out and boys were definitely noticing her. I'm still your favorite cousin though. True that. You the only one here? No. Leslie had to run out real quick. She should be back any minute. Okay. We need to talk though. About what? Ashley asked as she hung different types of hair on the racks. Mom's found some condoms in your drawer this morning. And? Ashley responded nonchalantly. And she was pretty pissed off about it. How long you been? You know. Quillil didn't want to have this conversation with her, but he promised his mother he would. That's personal, cousin. And why is auntie all of my sh- I mean, stuff anyway? Ashley may have been 18, but she was very mature for her age, which is why Quillil let her work at his shop. I know you're growing up and all that, but you're still my little cousin, and I'm always going to be overprotective of you, even when you don't want me to be. I know, I know. So you got a nigga, or what? Why are you so nosy? 
What's his name, Ash? Why? So you can scare him off? I'm not telling you. Whatever. Just know I'll find out sooner or later. Uh-huh. Ashley did have a guy she was dating, but she wasn't telling Quilil anything about him. Not yet, anyway. I mean, I need him to stop calling her Ashley and just go by her, she, other pronouns, or also a nickname. Because the, the alternating between spelling and misspelling her name is an art that I didn't think anybody had. But this is impressive. Like, back to back to back, her name just changes. Over and over again. Also... Still no uh, possessives at the end of these sentences. Just back to four conversations. With quotation marks, however. Are you done interrogating me? For now. Good. Have you looked at the Columbia brochure I gave you? He asked her. Yes, but I told you I don't want to go to college. I want to be a singer. Last week you wanted to be a model. Now you want to sing? You got to starve yourself to be a model. Singing is easier, Ashley said matter-of-factly. Leslie walked in, interrupting her conversation. Hey, boss, she greeted Quilil. Leslie was a manager of the shop. Her and Quilil grew up in the projects together. She was practically family. Quilil trusted her. How you doing, Les? I'm good, boss. Thanks for asking. I just came by to check on things. I looked over the books. Business is really booming, I see. Yeah, it is. We've been getting swamped with online orders. We're getting the job done, Leslie told him. What y'all, if y'all haven't noticed, what I just decided on this last page, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read it the way it is. I ain't going to put, I'm not going to stop. Can't stop, won't stop. There's no paragraphs, no nothing. So, let's go. You know I appreciate everything you do around here, Les. This shop wouldn't be what it is without you. Aw, thanks, little bro. What'd I tell you about calling me little? He asked jokingly. Leslie laughed. I'm sorry. I can't help it. I'm older than you, and you've always been like a little brother to me. How's my godsons doing? Being bad as hell? Leslie was a single mom with two sons. She went hard for her boys. I gotta see him soon, but I'm about to head out. Before I go, I wanted to give you ladies these. Quilil handed them both bonus checks. Thank you, Quilil. Thank you, Leslie said, looking at all the zeros. Yeah, thanks, Cuzzo. I'm about to get some new red bottoms with this, Ashley said. I bet. I gotta run, though. I'll see you ladies later. He gave them both hugs and left. There go that bitch-ass nigga right there. Let's retire this pussy right now, Busy said furiously. He was ready to light Quilil's shit up. Ooh, a paragraph! Sorry. He pulled out his Glock, never taking his eyes off Quilil as he got in the whip. Chill. We're not going to kill him yet, Mello told him. Whoa, Mello's back. After doing eight long years, he was back on the streets of New York. What? You heard me. We're not killing him yet. Ain't that what we came here for? Busy ass. He was perplexed. Good word. Mello sat back in his seat, puffing on his blunt. No, he said in a laid back tone. Then why are we here? Busy was eager to let his banger off. We're going to take our time and break him down little by little. And when the time is right, I'm going to give his ass the blues, Mello said, watching Quilil pull off. So this nigga really think he done Nino Brown of the hood now and shit. Set me up and then took over my shit. Niggas gonna pay for that. Nobody knew Mello was out of prison. He was supposed to be serving life, but won his appeal after eight years of fighting his case. Good. Good, nigga, you was innocent. Like, look, there's a million things I could be mad at about a drug dealer, but nigga, in this case, I'm glad the justice system worked, my nigga. They'll catch you soon for some other fuck shit. But for right now, 
kudos to you, my good bitch. Go ahead and go get you a steak or something. But you pulling out the Megatron size blammer ready to go right the fuck back in don't make no good goddamn sense. Sit your happy ass down, visit your sister who we all know you got, and then chill for a bit. Go get some pussy or something. Shit. Get the hiccups. He was hell-bent on getting revenge on the Knicks who set him up, Quillil and AK. He was going to make them suffer. Mello knew they were the ones who framed him because Angela told him right before she died. When Mello got to Stevie's apartment eight years ago, wait, she told you eight years ago and you ain't say shit? When Mello got to Stevie's apartment eight years ago, he found Stevie dead in his bed and Angela fighting for her life on the floor. That's why you double-tap, my niggas. That's what... I say that for every single book, like even fucking Bridge to Terabithia, Double Tap, my nigga, like seriously, clap, clap, up, down, down, up, even better, down, up, shoot him in the gut, then shoot him in the face, make sure they're looking you directly in the face so you know you're shooting them in the face, or shoot them in the back of the head, put the gun right to their nugget, and shoot, like why don't y'all double tap no more, and it was a woman, defenseless, you know you could have murdered her, you can't even murder right, who the fuck are you, Mecca, like shit, Angela told him everything that happened before she took her last breath, Mello tried to get out of the apartment before the cops showed up, but was unable to, he was at the wrong place at the wrong time, the police never retrieved the murder weapon, but being that Mello was the last person Stevie called before he was murdered, his DNA being at the crime scene, and lengthy criminal record, the jury convicted him of both murders. But the case was flawed. There was no witnesses. Part of the crime scene was contaminated, and the prosecutor withheld important pieces of evidence from the case. These things were enough to create reasonable doubt, causing Mello to win his appeal. Now that he was a free man, the only thing on his mind was revenge. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. What should be on your mind is some of that good New York pizza, my nigga. Like, ooh, get you some and put some oregano on it. Mm, set you up right, my nigga. I got you. So what's the plan, Busy said. Here, put this on. Mello handed Busy a ski mask. He quickly put it on. Mello pulled his own ski mask over his face. It's showtime, baby. He said, exiting the car. Nigga, didn't you just, you know what? Quillel pulled up to King Towers. As soon as he hopped out, all the kids came running up to him, as if LeBron James just came to the hood. Quillil was well known around these parts. He passed out money to the kids and went to holler at Red. Red was shooting dice with some of his homies by the benches. What's good, Red? Quillil greeted him. Oh, what's poppin', big bro? He replied. What brings you this way? Just came to holler at you real quick. For sure. Look, I'm 300 up. Y'all niggas betting I pick up my bread. I'll be back in a minute, Red warned him before walking with Quillil. What's good? I just came through to let you know we're going to be pushing a lot more weight, so I need you and your crew to be on y'all A-game. I got you. All my niggas is locked and loaded. We just waiting on the re-up. It'll be dropped off in a few days. You ain't got nothing to worry about, bro. I'm going to hold up my end for sure. Believe that, Red told him. Red may have been young, but he was a bonafide soldier. That is not how you spell bonafide. That is not... You really been holding shit down out here. I'm proud of you. I learned from the best. You taught me everything I know. Quillil saw Red as a little brother he never had. Red was Puerto Rican, hey, and black. His baby face made people unaware of how ruthless he really was. You could blame it on his childhood. Red came from an abusive household. 
His father was a pastor and a blistering alcoholic. He would get drunk and beat his mother until she was blue in the face. Blue in the face? Choke her till she was blue in the face? Beat her till she black and blue? Oh no, maybe she light skin. Red never understood how a supposed man of God could go against the very things he preached about in church every Sunday. His mother was so frightened by his father, she ended up leaving one day and never coming back. She abandoned her only child, but Red blamed himself because in his mind, had he been able to protect her from his father, she wouldn't have ran off. After Red's mother left, the beatings from his father only got worse. He not only had to deal with abuse at home, but bullying at school. The kids were always making fun of his clothes and worn down shoes he wore to school. One day, Quillil saw him getting picked on at the liquor store in the neighborhood. Why are you always coming to school in them busted ass shoes, Redrick? 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 Okay. Okay. I can see if he was Redbone and that was his nickname. I can see if the nigga had red hair. Shit. I can see if the nigga always wore red. So, woo! But what we ain't gonna do is make this nigga's name Redrick. There is. Okay. Okay, we got Quillil and we got Redrick. Redrick? Ruh-roh, Redrick? Scooby-dooby-doo. I'm sorry. <clears throat> Red tried to ignore him, but they kept harassing him. Fuck, that was good with your mom. What? Oh. Oh. Comma, nigga. Shit. Fuck that. What's good with your moms? Matter of fact, period. Fuck that, period. What's good with your moms? There we go. Oh, God. Fuck that. What's good with your mom? She fine as fuck. I'm trying to hit that. Another one of the bullies commented, Red had enough. Even though his mother abandoned him, he refused to let anyone disrespect her. He still loved her. Without saying a word, Red swung on one of the bullies and hit him in his nose. They all jumped him. It was one on three, but Red was holding his own. Quillil stepped in and broke it up. Y'all get up out of here, Quillil told him. Knowing who Quillil was, the bullies did as they were told. We'll see you tomorrow, nigga, one of them said. Red grabbed his sweater off the ground. His lip was busted, and he had a few scratches on his neck from the scuffle. But Quillil appreciated the fact that Red stood up for himself. He saw something special in the kid. What's your name, kid? Quillil asked him. Why? You a cop or something? So everybody else, the bullies know who Quillil is. The kids all know who Quillil is. But Redrick don't. Okay. Quillil laughed. Nah, where are you off to? King Towers, and my name is Red. Alright then, Red. I'm going that way. I'll give you a ride. A ride sounded better than walking, so Red took his offer. How old are you? Sixteen. You hungry? Nah. Quillil could see he didn't want to talk. Look, those niggas are going to try and jump you again, so I want you to meet me down the street at the diner off 145th Street after school tomorrow, alright? It's cool. I can handle it myself. Just do it. Whatever, man. The rest of the ride was silent. Quillil noticed the raggedy clothes the shoes Red was wearing and felt bad for him. He knew how cruel kids could be. Before Red got out, Quillil reached in his sock and pulled out a clip of $100 bills. He handed three of them to Red. Nah, man, I'm good, he declined. His pride wouldn't let him take money from another man, even though he needed it. Here, bro, take it. Go buy something nice for yourself. Seeing that Quillil wasn't taking the money back, he just thanked him and stuffed the bills in his pocket. Red hadn't eaten in days, and he was going to use some of the money to buy himself some food. 
The next day, he met Quillil by the diner like he asked him to. And from that day forward, they formed a bond. Quillil ended up taking Red under his wing, teaching him not only about the streets, but about life. Where are you coming from this early? Red asked him. I was at the shop talking to Ashley. She got a boyfriend now, Quillil told him. Oh yeah? Did she say who he was? Nah, she trying to keep the dude a secret, but I'll find out eventually. It's Red. Redrick is smashing your cousin. What you gonna do? I mean, ain't that the way it works in all these books? The little nigga in the cartel was smashing... Whatever her name was. I've done so well at forgetting about that book. I'm proud of myself. Q, it's something I need to tell you, Red said nervously. Quillil saw the nervousness on his face. What is it? Me, uh... He was cut off by Quillil's cell going off. Yo, he answered. Red didn't know who Quillil was talking to, but within seconds, his whole demeanor changed. The fuck you mean the shop got shot up? He screamed in the phone. She what? Nah, not less, Quillil lamented. Is she okay? I'm on my way. He hung up the phone. Fuck, he yelled. What happened, Red asked. He never saw Quillil this angry before. That was AK. Some nigga shot at the shop right after I left. I'm just giving him that period out of grace because he didn't use it. That was AK. Some nigga shot up the shop right after I left. They killed Leslie and Ashley got hit in the shoulder. I got to get to the hospital. Yeah, it makes sense that Leslie would be murked since she was one of the ones who was driving the car when you set that nigga up. Quillil was ready to kill everything moving. He grew up with Leslie. He was the godfather to her two sons and now she was gone. Ashley was his blood. He promised himself he would personally kill whoever was responsible for this. I'm coming with you, Red said, forgetting about the dice game he had going on. Quillil broke about every traffic law imaginable on his way to the hospital. He needed to get to his cousin. When they arrived at the hospital, Quillil's mom, AK, Peg, and Reggie were in the waiting room. Where's Ashley? he asked him. She's in surgery, baby, his mother told him. Surgery? How bad is it, Ma? How many times did she get hit? A million thoughts ran through Quillil's head. Surgery didn't sound good to him. Ashley was only 18. She had her whole life ahead of her. Quillil blamed himself for not being there to protect her. I never should have had her working in the shop in the first place. I don't know, baby. The doctor will be out to give us more information any second now, Gloria said, wiping her eyes. She had been crying and praying all morning. Two cops, one white and the other black, dressed in black suits, came walking up. Are you Mr. Sheldon? The black detective asked. Yeah, Quillil replied. Sir, I'm Detective Sanders. This is my partner, Detective Schaefer. We have a few questions to ask you if you don't mind. About what? We understand there was a shooting at the hair business you own on Lenox Avenue this morning. Do you know of anyone who may want to hurt you? Nah, he answered plainly. Cut the shit, Mr. Sheldon. We know what you do. Now give us a name or we'll start investigating your ass. I didn't read that like a white cop because, you know, I thought it was obvious. But he's the white cop. Detective Sanders is the black cop. Okay. Quillil wasn't phased by Detective Schaefer's idle threats. I don't know what y'all talking about, and I ain't got nothing to say. Quillil walked off with AK, Reggie, and Peg following behind him. Instead of questioning my son, y'all need to be out there finding the man who killed Leslie and shot my niece, Gloria told them sternly. We're sorry, ma'am. You spelled ma'am wrong again. Here's my card if you have any questions about the investigation, but I mean, you've been spelling Ashley wrong like 
now it's just back to back to the point where I wonder which Ashley is the right one. Like, did you spell it right on accident that last time you were trying to give her a different name? Like, we'll be back later to ask your niece a few questions, Detective Sanders said before they exited the hospital. Who did this? Quillo asked AK as soon as they made it outside. I don't know. Nobody knows shit right now, but trust me, we gonna find these motherfuckers. This is all fucked up. I can't believe they got Leslie, man. Fuck. Where are her sons? With her sister Tamika in Queens. Make sure everything's taken care of for her funeral and drop some bread off at her sister's place, Quillil instructed. I got you, fam. We gotta be on high alert. We don't know who's coming after us, so tell everyone to strap up. We gonna close the hair shop down for a few days until shit die down. But all of our other businesses gonna stay open. I hear you. I'm gonna go drop this money off to Tamika right now. Tell Ashley I love her when she get out of surgery. Already? The fuck? Already? Tell Ashley I love her when she gets out of surgery. Already? I never heard somebody say already. Already? The two of them slapped hands. Hey! (laughs) And Khalil went back inside. He saw his mother talking to the doctor. Mr. Smith, this is my son, Khalil. Hello, sir. I was just telling your mother that Miss Williams is out of surgery and is expected to make a full recovery. We had to do a minor procedure to remove bullet fragments from her right shoulder joint. She's going to have to do some rehabilitation, but she's going to be fine. Thank God, Gloria said. Can we see her, Quillil asked? Yes. She's a little drowsy from the anesthesia, but she's awake. Thanks, Doc. Quillil looked around and noticed Red wasn't around. Ma, where'd Red go? I don't know. Probably went to the bathroom or something. When they got to Ashley's room, there was Red holding her hand. I promise you I'm going to mark the niggas who did this, he told her. Red's eyes became watery. He meant every word. He rubbed Ashley's hand softly, looking deep into her eyes. They were young, but they were in love. It didn't take long for Quillo to put two and two together. He rushed over to his cousin's side. Hey, Ash, how you holding up? Seeing his cousin laid up in the hospital bed, fuck Quillo up. All this shit happened because of me. I'm okay. I'm ready to get out of here, though, she said in a raspy tone. You just got shot. You ain't going nowhere, Quillil told her. Do you need anything, baby? Gloria asked her. Can I get some juice, please? Okay, I'll go get some for you. Thanks, auntie. Quillil waited for his mother to leave the room. She came out of that anesthesia very, very quickly. Like, very quickly. And how Red get in there so quick? Did the doctor tell him first? Like, what? I don't know. Anyhow, I know when my son was in the hospital, came out of anesthesia, two things happened. One, it took him, like, a while. That nigga was loopy. Like, if I videotaped it, it would have been straight comedy, but I promise I wouldn't. Two, they wouldn't let him drink juice. All they would let him eat was ice chips, like slivers of ice chips. So, I don't know. Alright. Quillil waited for his mother to leave the room. Do you remember what happened? As soon as you left, two dudes came busting in with guns. What they looked like? They had on ski masks, so I didn't see their faces. Did they rob the place? No. As soon as they came in, they shot Leslie in the head. I tried to reach for the gun we keep under the counter, but they shot me before I could get to it. So these dudes shoot up my shop, but didn't take any money? That's weird. Quillil couldn't think of any real beast he had with anyone, but that didn't mean it wasn't cats out there who wanted him dead. 
After all, he was a drug dealer, and that alone came with his fair share of enemies. I'm a body both them niggas. Word is bond, Red said angrily. He was pacing the floor. Gloria came back in with juice for Ashley. I'm sorry this happened to you, Ash. I should have been there to protect you and Leslie, but I'm going to find out who did this. I'm just glad you're okay. I'll be back to check on you tomorrow. Quillil gave Ashley a kiss on her forehead. Thanks, cousin. I love you. I love you, too. Get some rest. Gloria pulled him to the side before he left. Whatever you're going to do, you need to be careful. I will, Mama. Don't worry about me. I'll be fine. Love you. I'm a mother. It's my job to worry. And I love you, too, baby. Quillil and Red walked out. Quillil knew the one person that could get him the information he needed to find the men responsible for this. Chapter 7 Kiara woke up when she heard knocking on her door. Who the hell knocking on my door like the police? She got out of bed, threw a t-shirt on, and went to answer it. The purse continued banging on the door. Hold on, I'm coming, damn, Kiara shouted. She looked at her peephole and couldn't believe who was on the other side. She quickly opened the door and jumped in her brother's arms. Oh my God, Mello, Kiara said, hugging him tightly. She hadn't seen him in years, eight to be exact. Sup, sis? I can't believe this. When'd you get out? Kiara asked happily. A couple days ago. Mello looked good. He slimmed down, still had his long dreads and had gotten bulkier. He turned his fat into muscle. He credited a prison for that. So what happened with your case? I won my appeal. The evidence they had against me was bogus from jump. I should have never been convicted in the first place, but you know how they do, niggas. I just had to get the right lawyers on my case this time, and thankfully, I did. Well, I'm just glad you're out. Praise God for that. I know you didn't do it anyway. Stevie was your best friend. Yeah, that was my dog, Mello said, sitting down on the couch. I was set up, Key. What? By who? Some niggas that used to work for me. Wow, that's some grimy shit. It is, but don't even worry about it. I'm going to handle them niggas soon enough. Like Pac said, revenge is the sweetest joy next to getting pussy. Here's how you can cut this book in like a third. I got set up, Key. By who? A nigga named Quilil. Word? That nigga? I know exactly where he live. Let's go. Shotgun. And then he dies. The end. Okay. Mello smiled as he remembered the faces of Leslie and Ashley when he and Busy stormed in the shop with their guns drawn. His plan was to hurt everyone close to Quilil. Once he killed Quilil, he could regain his position in the drug game. Harlan was his town, and he was about to remind niggas why. I taught them niggas everything they know. I ain't showing no mercy. They not gonna know what hit them. You should have told me you was getting out. I would have picked you up. I wanted to surprise you. Plus, I didn't want you coming anywhere near that place. In the eight years he was locked up, Mello did not allow Kiara or anyone else to visit him. He didn't want his sister to see him caged up like some animal, but they rode each other every week and talked on the phone. Do you need a place to crash? You can stay here as long as you want. Nah, it's cool. I got a place to lay my head, sis, but thanks. What's her name? Kiara said nosily. What's whose name? The bitch you staying with, Mello laughed. <laughs> I ain't staying with a chick. Well, the offer still stands if you change your mind. I hear you. You want something to eat? I can fix you something before I go to work. I mean, why she gotta be a bitch, though? 
I'm just asking. Like, she ain't done nothing to you, even if she was a real person. Like, the bitch who you sleep with. Like, okay. The bitch you stand with. Like, okay. You want something to eat? I could fix you something before I go to work. Work? You still dancing? Yeah. Mello shook his head. Don't be shaking your big ass head at me. I got bills to pay. I guess. You want this food or not? Yeah, hook that up. A nigga ain't had a good meal since I've been out. Mello grabbed the remote and turned on the TV. It felt good to be free. He promised himself he would die before he ever stood foot back inside a prison cell. Kiara made some pastrami sandwiches and red lobster cheddar bay biscuits. That is not a good combination. A pastrami sandwich with the bread being made from the red lobster cheddar bay biscuit batter, but you spread it out on the pan to make a whole like bread, like a flat bread. That would be banging, but why the fuck do I want a sandwich and a biscuit? Huh, Kiara? Why do I want a sandwich and a dry-ass Black Panther power stripped-away biscuit? You ain't even offering this nigga no purple drink. <sighs> Damn, this shit is fire, key liar, Mello said, licking his fingers. You just saying that because you've been eating them nasty-ass jail sandwiches the last eight years. Nah, I'm being serious. You should open your own restaurant or something. You got skills, sis. After Mello was done eating, he got ready to leave. I'm so glad you're home. Can you try staying out for good this time? You ain't got to worry about that, Key. I'm never going back. Never. Love you. Love you too. Mello hugged his little sister and hurried down the steps. He had another stop to make. Mello pulled into the Drew Hamilton projects and scoped out the scene. Things hadn't changed a bit. Niggas were still in the corner serving fiends like waiters. He zipped up his hoodie and got out the car. Mello saw a crackhead walking down the block and purposefully bumped into him. My bad, brother, he said. It's okay, the gray-haired addict said. He was short and frail. Years of drug abuse had taken a toll on his appearance. Do you know where I can get some of that good shit? Mello asked. You a cop? He asked suspiciously. Fuck nah. I'm just trying to get some good blow. What's your name? I'm Mello, he said, extending his hand. Dennis. And it's good shit all around here, young blood. Quill and them got that best candy in town. Is that right? Who's in charge over here? That nigga Reggie, he don't like when you get high on the block, though. So make sure you got a place to smoke that shit after you cop. All right, Mello nodded. Is that Reggie over there? Mello said, pointing to a dealer on the corner. He knew it wasn't him, but he needed the old head to keep talking. Nah, Reggie's usually upstairs in the stash house. I've been up there a few times to test out their product. And what apartment number's that? He gave Mello a devilish smile. That's top secret information. I can't be giving that up for free now. Of course not. Mello pulled out a $20 bill and handed it to him. 20 to a crackhead was like water to a fish. Tui, he said happily. Mello had the information he needed to put his plan in effect. Appreciate the info, Dennis. Don't tell anybody we talked. No problem, young blood. Mello jogged back to his car and sped off. Quillil couldn't believe the sight before him. A paragraph! Yellow tape all around his hair shop. He stood outside, at a loss for words. His childhood friend was gone, and his cousin was laid up in the hospital, all because of him. The only way to make things right was to find the men responsible and kill them himself. Hello, Mr. Shelton. Quillil turned around and saw Detective Sanders standing behind him. Already told you and your partner I ain't got nothing to say. We can either do this here or down at the precinct, sir. 
Which will it be? He asked sternly. Whatever, man. Quilil led him past the yellow tape and inside his shop. Once they were alone inside, Quilil got right to business. Where's your new partner, Schaefer? Back at the office. Is he going to be a problem? Let me worry about him. Fine. Did you find out anything? He asked. Detective Sanders was on Quilil's payroll and had been for quite a while. He kept the heat off Quilil and his crew and was paid handsomely for it. We have the vehicle that was spotted speeding off. Cool. Let me see it. Sanders was reluctant to show Quilil the pictures, but he pulled them out and handed them to him. It was a green navigator with the license plate ADL4681. Even though they had pictures of the car, they couldn't see who was actually driving it. I don't know anyone with a green navigator, but I'm going to find out on everything I love, Quilil said, not taking his eyes off the picture. Look, Q, I'm going to need you to chill and let me handle this one, Detective Sanders told him. Quilil shot him an unflattering grin. What you mean, chill? I mean, let me do my job and bring these dudes in. We can't have a war jumping off right now. That would be bad for everybody. Ain't no choice. These niggas hurt my family, my blood, people I care about. I can't let this slide. Our cats gonna think they could just run up in my shit without consequence. I feel you. Quilil cut him off. Ain't no buts. I gotta handle this shit my way. I appreciate how you looked out for me and my peoples, but this the streets. And when niggas violate you, you gotta send a message, period. Don't let this badge fool you, Q. I'm from the streets too, you know that. But we have to be smart about this. My boss is keeping a close eye on this case, so we can't be reckless. I'll find them irresponsible and put them under the jail. You got my word on that. Sanders was trying his best not to get Quilil to retaliate. But it was harder than keeping OJ away from white women. <laughs> Look, I like this book. I have to be real with y'all. I like it. And I can see past all the typos, but y'all know me. I gotta make fun of them. But I like this book. The shit is funny. The shit is... The story is transparent, but that's because I've been reading them so long now that I can see through everything. The story in itself is cool. <sighs> Fuck it, jail. I'm putting these niggas in pine boxes, Quilil declared. What happened to all that black empowerment talk and wanting to be a leader in the community? You really want to kill another brother? Quilil waved him off. He was through talking about it. His mind was made up. Just relax, and let me follow up on some more leads before you do anything. Alright? Alright. Sanders left, leaving Quilil alone with his thoughts. He needed a drink. Or two. He called AK. What's good, he answered. We hitting the strip club tonight. Round up everybody. Already? Which one are you trying to hit up? It don't matter. I just want a drink and see some ass. Shit, I feel that. Let's roll the diamonds then. I ain't been there in a minute. Say no mo. Quilil had a lot on his mind, and the best way to forget about his problems temporarily were liquor and strippers and Kiara. So, how you want to handle this? AK asked Quilil as he waited for the light to turn green. You already know. Tell everybody be on the lookout for this green navigator. I ain't letting Detective Sanders handle shit. I got 10 racks for anyone with info. I want these clowns brought to me alive. No doubt. We're going to find these niggas. But in the meantime, let's get in here and see these hoes. They pulled into the parking lot of diamonds four cars deep. Quilil took his gun out of his glove compartment. He never stepped in the club without a hammer on him. He'd even pay bouncers extra to let him bring it in. He was taught better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Also, rather be judged by 12 than carried by 6. 
You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying. You strapped? Quillil asked AK before they got out. Do fat bitches sleep with the fan on? AK joked. Damn. I sleep with the fan on. But Black Dynamite, I sell drugs in the community. Both laughed as they exited the car. Why you gotta be a fat bitch to have the fan on at night? Nigga, it's hot. I'm in Cali, though, so I don't know where y'all niggas live at. Like, Eastern Maine probably ain't the same, but, you know, fuck y'all niggas. Reggie, Peg, and the rest of their soldiers followed behind him. This shit look like it's jumping tonight, Reggie said excitedly. He had a pocket full of ones, and he was ready to throw all of them. The line was wrapped around the corner, but that wasn't a problem for Quillil. He walked straight up to the front with his crew. Sup, Q? One of the bouncers greeted him. What's good, Fred? How's the family? Hey, good, man. Thanks for asking. Fred looked at Quillil's entourage. All y'all trying to get in? He asked. Yeah, that ain't a problem, is it? Quillil asked. Fred looked directly at AK. Last time you were there, you hit a dude in the head with a bottle and a brawl broke out. Man, that was months ago and that wasn't even my fault. Them out-of-town Detroit niggas were bugging, AK said. Quillil stepped in. Look, Fred, we just can't have a good time. Won't be no brawls in here tonight. You have my word. He handed Fred two crisp $100 bills. Fred nodded and stuffed the money in his pocket. He undid the rope to let all of them in. Soon as they walked in, Quillil went to get a drink at the bar. There was a sexy Ethiopian chick on stage popping her ass. And pussy. I love those commas. AK started making a rain on her while rapping along the Futures Club banger, March Madness, that the DJ was playing. Quillil went to the bar and ordered some Hennessy. A thick red bone approached him. Hey, handsome, she said, rubbing his chest. Her pink two-piece caught Quillil's attention. She reminded him of the singer Faith Evans. What's good, ma? You tell me, daddy. You waiting on anyone? Nah, I'm posted right now. What's your name? Candy. Yours? Q. Nice to meet you, Q. You want to go in the back and have some fun? Candy said seductively. I'm good right now, baby. Maybe later. Okay, baby. I'll come back later to check on you. She kissed Quillil on the cheek and went to work her mouthpiece on an elderly white man sitting in the corner. Quillil just chuckled inside. He appreciated the hustle strippers had. They could sell meat to a vegan. Man, there's some bad hoes in here tonight, AK admitted, taking a seat next to Quillil. Yo, let me get a shot of Ciroc, he ordered. How much money you throwing, old girl? Shit, I forgot, son. I told her I want a private dance, so when she come back out of the dressing room, I'ma hop on that. The two of them waited for the next act to come up on stage. The Ethiopian girl AK made a rain on, came up, and started dancing on him. Coming to the stage is a girl that really needs no introduction. She battered the kid with silver caps and Spider-Man shoes. <laughs> hey, I gotta be real. The niggas with the silver caps on their teeth were pretty fucking horrible. My brother had silver caps on his teeth. <laughs> Y'all show some love for the beautiful and lovely Jaguar. Out came Jaguar with a white romper piece on. Her body was impeccable. She had ass for days. She let down her top, showing off her honey-colored breasts and thick nipples. That's right, show us them titties! One drunken old man shouted. Jaguar was popping her ass a black youngster's banger, booty. Niggas flooded the stage, throwing money at her. Bounce that ass, another guy yelled. Jaguar was the main attraction to Diamonds. Everyone came out to see her. AK leaned over towards Quillil. Yo, yo, ain't that the female you met at the club last night? Yeah, that's her, he replied, never taking his eyes off Kiara. Quillil watched as she climbed up the pole and came down doing the splits. 
Damn, Jag, that's how you feeling tonight? The DJ joked. All the men were gushing over her, but only Quillil could say he had her sexually. Why didn't she tell me she stripped, he thought. Jaguar, you got all these niggas in here spending their child support money, baby. Slow down, the DJ joked some more over the microphone. The stage was covered with bills. Kiara made brief eye contact with some of the men that were drooling over her in the crowd. It was all a part of the show, but when she saw Quillil standing by the bar, it shocked her. Oh my god, what is he doing here? Kiara froze up for a second. Quillil recognized the uneasiness on her face and gave her a light smile. She did the same. Out of all the strip clubs in the city, he had to come to this one tonight. I hope he's not mad at me for leaving this morning. Fuck, I can't be thinking about this right now. I got a job to do. Just get your money and finish this set, girl. Kiara tried to stay focused on dancing, but it was impossible with Quillil in the room. She kept glancing over at him every few seconds. His eyes were pierced on her. What the fuck pierced on her? There was something about him that she just couldn't shake. She hated to admit it, but she liked him. There was so much money on the stage a few other strippers had to help her pick it up. Kiara hurried to the back. I'm about to take Shorty upstairs. I'll be back, AK said. Quillil nodded and ordered another shot of Hennessy. Different girls kept asking for a dance, but he politely declined. There was only one female he was interested in. Minutes later, Kiara came back out. She thanked all the men that showed her love and went straight to Quillil. Be cool, Kiara. Just be cool. Damn, he looking good, too. The blue suede Yankee jacket, blue 501s, and blue Tim's he was rocking was so creepy. Sorry, wait. Was so New York. Not creepy. Just New York. Hey, Kiara said awkwardly. Quillil gave her a head nod and continued sipping on his drink. Look, I'm sorry about this morning. I had to. Another stripper came up to Quillil, brutally interrupting their conversation. You want to dance, baby? She asked him. Kiara didn't appreciate it. Excuse me? We were talking. Go find somebody else to give a weak-ass dance to, Kiara said rudely. Whatever, the stripper replied. That wasn't very nice, Jaguar, Quillil said sarcastically. Whatever. Are you going to accept my apology or continue to stay mad at me? I'm not mad at you. And what are you apologizing for? Leaving your house this morning without saying goodbye. Quillil shrugged it off. You don't have to apologize for that. Why didn't you tell me you danced? Because I didn't want you judging me or thinking I'm some kind of hoe because I'm not. Why would I think that? I don't know. A lot of guys think like that. I'm not a lot of guys. Quillil didn't care about her being a stripper. He was a drug dealer and was in no position to judge Kiara's profession. He wasn't the judgmental type anyway. Neither of them were proud of what they did for a living, but it was what it was. Bottom line is that they cared about one another. Quillil couldn't deny his feelings for Kiara. He had been with plenty of women, but there was something different about her. Something he had never seen in a woman before. Okay. Quillil couldn't describe it, but he knew Kiara was one of a kind. Shout out to all y'all niggas who say you found your soulmate every single time you fall in love again. What time do you get off? He asked her. In a little bit. Why? Come back to my house. You remember what happened the last time I went over to your house, right? Yeah. Magic, Quillil said, smiling, showing off those pearly whites Kiara loved. I see you got jokes today. A few. I'm serious, though. If you think I'm just going to be fucking on you like that, you're wrong. I'm not that kind of woman. I never said that you were. It's too late to go out and really do anything, so we can just grab something to eat and go back to my place and talk. Just talk, huh? She questioned. Yeah, talk. 
So you want me to come home with you and just talk? That's it. Yes. Are you always this difficult? Yep. Any more questions? Yeah. You coming over or what? Here, I waited a few minutes to answer. She wanted to make Khalil sweat a little bit. Yeah, I'll come. Just let me go get my stuff. I'll be right back. Quilil watches Kiara sashay to the dressing room. His eyes were glued to her ass. It should be illegal to have that much ass. I'm telling y'all. Fam, look. So, if it was illegal to have too much ass, oh, could you just hear the cops out there? Woo, woo, pull over that ass too fat. Woo, woo, pull over that ass too fat. Woo, woo, pull over that ass too fat. Man, white woman would never go to jail. <laughs> oh, welcome back. So, um, AK came back fixing his shirt. Yeah, fun back there? Hell yeah, nigga, shorty, a freak. What's good with you and old girl, though? She coming back to the crib, so I'm about to shake. For sure. I'll ride back with Reggie. Already. Why the fuck do they say that? I don't know any niggas that say already instead of all right. That sounds like some jail shit. Like, niggas who say overstand instead of understand and grand rising and shit like that. Fuck y'all niggas. I don't have a problem with y'all niggas, but for real, fuck y'all niggas. Sending grand rising texts and shit. Grand rising sounds like a biscuit company. Anyhow. They dapped each other up. I'll get with you tomorrow. Just as they were leaving, the club owner, Money, grabbed Kiara by her arm. Quilil immediately pushed Money for putting his hands on Kiara. He fell back, but kept his balance. The fuck is wrong with you, son? Quilil yelled. Kiara put her hands on his chest. Calm down, baby. I got this. Where do you think you're going, Money asked her. Home, she told him. I don't think so. You still got an hour left on your shift, Money said. He was in his late 40s and a known asshole. Really, Money? Already paid my house fee, and I made the most money in the club tonight. I'm going home. If you leave, don't bring your ass back here. I ain't playing, he spat. Kiara knew the only reason Money was being salty was because she was leaving with Quilil instead of him. Money had a thing for her, but Kiara was never receptive to any of his advances. She didn't find him attractive at all. Plus, he was old enough to be her father. Whatever, Money. You being extra right now. But that's cool. I'm still leaving, though. Kiara walked off. Money tried to grab her again, but Khalil stepped up and slapped him with a right hand straight to his jaw. I don't think you're going to be welcome back at the club, my nigga. Just a hunch. All you heard was oohs and ahs at the club and one nigga in the back saying, World Star! That would have been me in the back. I would have stood on the table. I'm sorry. I know a lot of y'all young niggas don't know what World Star is. And it's an evergreen show for 10, so 10 years from now, y'all really ain't going to know what World Star is. Google that shit. Because a nigga like me would have been in the back like, oh shit! World Star! You got knocked the fuck out! Hey, that's money? Oh, fuck, money got slapped! Hey, money, 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 wake up! How many fingers am I holding up? And they start throwing up gang signs like a first base coach. Money was planking on the floor! <laughs> like I said, I like this book. I just don't like the everything with the book. As money was planking on the floor, the DJ stopped playing music, and security tried to gaffle up Quilil. When AK and the rest of their crew saw what was happening, they all ran over to help their boy. It was them versus security. Fred ran inside and tried to break the whole thing up. Come on, Q. You promised. No brawls, man, Fred whined. Blame your bitch-ass boss for doing ho shit. 
Y'all gotta leave, dog. Just go. Whatever. We gone. Quillil grabbed Kiara's hand and left. They laughed about the whole incident on the way home. Thanks for taking up for me. Don't mention it. The nigga was out of line for putting his hands on you, period. And don't worry about that job. I got you, Quillil assured her. Thank you. Kiara didn't know what she was going to do. She was really feeling Quillil, but the last thing she wanted was to be dependent on him for money, like she was with Pierre. Quillil stopped to get some Chinese food before they went to his house. They ended up eating, laughing, and getting to know each other better. Kiara told him just about everything. Many of her painful truths, from her father not being around, mother a junkie, older brother going to jail for a double murder he didn't do, her past relationship with Pierre, him getting locked up, and how she found out about the other woman he had a baby by while visiting him in prison. Kiara didn't reveal the abortion she had to Quillil. That wasn't something she was ready to talk about. She also obviously didn't mention that A, her brother's fucking mellow, or B, that her fucking brother mellow came to her house earlier that day because the nigga got out of jail after his appeal went through for this bum-ass case. You know, but why mention shit like that? I'm just going to mention that my brother's in jail for a double murder that he didn't do and leave it at that. Knowing the nigga's at your house, knowing you just made this nigga for some reason a pastrami sandwich and... A red lobster cheddar bait biscuit. Still a combination I can't fuck with. But check this out, baby. We are going to make cheddar bait biscuits. We're going to just put it all along the bottom of a pan. And then put it in the oven to bake. And then make cheeseburgers. With the cheddar bait biscuits as the bun. My nigga, that sounds incredible to me. And so I'm going to try it. And if it don't work, so be it. Niggas were making burgers out of fucking Top Ramen a few years ago. I can get away with this once. She still had nightmares about it. Quillil couldn't believe the beautiful woman in front of him had been through so many trials and tribulations. But as they say, you can't judge a book by its cover. He gained a newfound respect for her. Sounds like you've been through a lot. I have, but I wouldn't change a thing. It's made me the person I am today. That's right. Everything happens for a reason, right? It does. Can I ask you something? Shoot. What do you want from me? Like, what are your intentions? Kiara asked him. Since they don't say names or commas or anything, I don't get the pause. Y'all gotta realize what I'm doing here. She didn't want to be just another notch on Khalil's belt. She really liked him, but she didn't want to get played for a fool. I don't want anything from you, Kiara. Honestly, I'm really feeling you. I like everything about you. I know you said you don't date street dudes anymore, but that's not who I am. I want you to be a part of my life moving forward, he said, looking into her eyes. Are you being serious? Because I don't have time for games, Quillil. I don't play games, baby. I'm being real, he said, touching the sides of Kiara's face. Kiara closed her eyes. This feels so good. She wrapped her hands around his head and then kissed him on the forehead before kissing him on his lips. There was so much passion behind the kiss. Quillel moved his tongue around in Kiara's mouth, slightly sucking on her bottom lip. I'll never hurt you, he told her. Promise? I promise. That's a lie. Like, let's be real. Even in marriage, especially in marriage, the longer you go on in a relationship, you know what's going to happen? Somebody's going to get hurt. Whether inadvertent or advertent, somebody's going to get hurt. So the promise I will never, ever hurt you is a line of shit that should never be used. 
What should be used is I will never hurt you in maliciously and I will never hurt you on purpose. I will never do anything out of anger. I will never rush to hurt you out of anger. I swear to never abuse you, malign you, or discredit you. And if something were to happen in our relationship, I promise to show you the same respect after our relationship as I did when I was first trying to pursue you. Also, I like you. You different, different. I promise were the last words Quilil spoke before picking Kiara up and carrying her to his bedroom upstairs. Kiara was yearning for him sexually, and she got her issue all night long. Their bodies were so in tune with one another. Quilil sucked on her breast, circling his tongue around her nipple ring as he dug deep inside of her. Ooh, shit, Kiara said in a low tone. Quilil took his time with her. He lifted up one of her legs and put it on his shoulder. The deeper he got, the deeper Kiara dug her nails in his back. She was just marking her territory. <laughs> Oof. It felt like Quilil was rearranging her guts, and she loved every minute of it. He pleased her in every way imaginable. They sexed the night away and cuddled up afterwards. Quilil watched Kiara sleep. I really found the woman of my dreams. He wasn't letting her get away this time. The two of them began spending a lot of time together. They were almost inseparable. Quilil cut off all the women he dealt with. He was fully committed. Kiara was his present and his future. And at no point during this time where they became almost inseparable, which means they spent a lot of time together over the span of days, maybe even months. Because it can't be inseparable the next day. At no point during that span of time did her brother Mello come back to see her. Or did she mention that Mello was her brother? Or that Mello's out? Or that Mello has a green navigator. Also, this nigga didn't get the hiccups this time. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like, if you're going to put something out there, that nigga better be getting the hiccups every single time. They better be calling this nigga Hickey on the block. Because, you know, he get the hiccups. He get the hickeys. Well, how the hell would they know that? Every woman that he sleeps with should be calling him Hickey. Oh, did that nigga get the hiccups for you too? Yep. Nigga got the hiccups. Nigga weird. Good old hickey. No. They can call him do hickey. <laughs> get out of here. But what I'm saying is this. There's literally no way you can say that these two people spent this much time together and that they're inseparable. And at no point in time does her brother, who's only been out of jail for three days, according to what you just said, not show up to her house and been like, yo, fix me another sandwich. Or, yo, what's going on? My only family that I have left, who it was said earlier in the book, he loved more than anything. But they didn't say, they said they were inseparable, but does that mean that he might have not even been in her house yet? No, he was at her house. He Or you mean Quilil may not have yeah. been here? Probably not. Probably not. But at some point, I mean, you would think at some juncture, either... Mella would call her on her cell phone and she would answer while she's with Quilil and be like, what's up, bro? Yeah, that's my brother Mello. Wait, your brother is Mello? Yeah, and was accused of a double murder he didn't do? Yeah, oh, bitch, you a op too. Y'all both enemies. He gonna be too far in before all of that. 
Look. I'm just wondering how we gonna how we gonna walk all this out further because we are thirty eight, thirty nine percent done with the book, maybe forty percent. Then you got time. No, it's happened too quickly. Like, Mello getting out of jail before the book even got halfway done meant that we now have this triangle at the beginning of the book. So that means that you either got to rush it or you got to stretch it out. And either way it goes, it's going to be stupid if you stretch it out because how are they avoiding each other if they're inseparable? How is she not telling this nigga? How does she tell him everything about Pierre and his baby mama? And all that shit, and never mention this nigga's name. Never mention Mello when she says she had a brother who had who's up for double murder. If and you were telling me his name, his name out there, like maybe she calls him something different. Nope, she calls him Mello. In the book, she called him Mello. So she what I'm just said her brother, and she didn't say no name. That's what I'm saying. Like, how are you this in-depth about everything else except for your abortion? Because that's none of his business. And Okay. But how are you this in-depth about everything else, Pierre? They could just be spending time together. She could be, like, not focused on anybody else. Yeah, no. What I'm saying is in that one night that they were talking, she told him about all this other stuff. But didn't mention her brother by name. Everybody else she calling out names for. Did she really know? She did. Pierre. She her mom, her dad, and Pierre. But nobody else did she say a name. She could have just said my mom and my dad. She told him dad. just about everything. Many of his many of her painful truths, from her father not being around to her mother not to her mother being a junkie. Yeah. To her past relationship with Pierre, him getting locked up, and how she found out about the other woman he had a baby by while visiting him in prison. You're gonna tell him all these uncomfortable truths. But yeah, my brother got locked up for a double murder he didn't commit. Yeah, but who even said that... And also... Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm so sorry. Who even said that she said Pierre's name? We know... Because we know he's Pierre. She could have just said my ex. She could have. So we don't even know that she said his name, but the author is going to tell us because we know him as Pierre. She might not have said any names about anybody. That's very true. Except in the writing, and I'm just going off of what's in the writing. In the writing, he states Pierre's name, but ne- but doesn't state Mello's name. That's all. Even in even in what you're saying, it's ab- you're absolutely right. Like she may not have told him, but we know about Mello too. Unless he thinks we still haven't put it together, because we did put it together because the nigga showed up at her door earlier in the chapter. But other people may not have the foresight. Oh, they can't be that stupid. There are people out there. <laughs> I'm just, I feel like this is one of those things where once you know about it, the longer it goes on where you don't discuss it, it just becomes an elephant in the room. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm literally just waiting for the shoe to drop. I mean, it was the same thing in the cartel, though. It was. So. I feel you. You're absolutely right. I mean, you usually are. I know. It's one of the things you love about me. Is it, though? 916 
633-1537, Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com, Ratchet Book Club on Twitter, Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Lee Review on Spotify, it takes like 13 seconds, it is. Lee Review on Apple Podcasts, Lee Review on uh, the Good Pods app, and Lee Review on Podchaser. You can also check us out and leave a review on Apple Music. That's dope. You can donate to the show at patreon.com slash single simulcast. For $1, you get a gang of content, like a gang. And I'm trying to update it every so often. Um, For $15, you get access to my recipes. Uh, You can also donate at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast. Or on the Good Pods app, you can leave a tip in the tip jar. This nigga, I'ma just go back and look. I'ma count now, cause fuck it, why not? This nigga misspelled Ashley's name back and forth. They misspelled her name 15 times. 15. Spell check should have caught it somewhere, my dude. Dang, that's the... I mean, I'm not trying to say it over and over again, but... I can fix your life. It it, it ain't going to be cheap. And maybe you don't care. Like niggas is going to lap this shit up regardless. It's a it's it's a, it's a, it's an urban novel. Yeah. Like niggas don't care if you ain't spelling shit right cuz but I mean standards, my dude, like do you care? It's your product. Mhm. Like I'm like if I'm cooking food now fuck it. If I'm reading these books out loud and I just got error after error after error on here and I'm going to tell y'all right now, I stumble over shit all the time. But I go back and correct it because my my product is my product. Mm-hmm. Do you not care about your shit? Like, that's what I'm curious about. I mean, real talk, when I go back and I look at my reviews and shit, it, it still affects me. I mean, it may not affect me the way I say it does, but it still affects me. And so if I'm going back and I'm Reading people say, why the fuck can't you spell Ashley? I can spell Ashley. I can do this. Like, I understand you not wanting to use money on the editor. I understand wanting to get it how you live, whatever it may be. But this is just like lousy with issues. And they can be fixed so easily. Fam. Like, seriously. It's alright, though. On a scale of 1 to 10 right now, I give your book a cool... Six and a half. Because mm-hmm. the shit is obvious. But it's obvious to me as a reader. D- don't take that the wrong way. Movies are obvious to me. I figured that shit out like 45 minutes in. Maybe. It might take less than that. Like I'm like I know who the fuck did this. I should be a detective. But I don't like cops. I'd be out there doing the right thing and get shot. But a, a six and a half is cool. Considering. Let's just tighten it up B. And what the fuck is this already shit? I, I'm, 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 I don't know. I don't know. We're going to figure it out, though. We're going to be all right. All right? Cool. Thank y'all for listening. I'm going to holler y'all later. Be good. Peace.
intro and outro to Ratchet Book Club is by That Kid Garan, and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat. This is Single Simulcast. Don't know my name, and you slip.